0: Please don't mention the fact that, you know, I'm the same age as Nicola Pepe because that's already giving me nightmares.
1: But you've got a podcast, Brad. Please don't. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Biera! As a Frenchman whose bakery got broken into once said, "The pain is gone. The season is over. Welcome back to the Different Nog podcast. A lighter look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend Bramley Apples. E screw. It's over. <sighs> it's over." <laughs> the painful what a, what season. What a
0: finish. What a finish.
1: My favourite quote from Arteta's post-match is, "Um, is that 61 points last season would have got you fifth. And you know what I say to that? If my if grandmother had wheels, had wheels, she would have been, she a, would bike. Have been a bike. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Bradley and I watched the game together. It was a marvellous joy. We did.
0: You know, um, uh, restrictions relaxing we played football on Saturday got to get together and watch the game today oh, it was a let a me a tell you listeners afternoon.
1: bradley was electric in goal <laughs> electric <laughs> the, the the whole pitch every single member of the team on both sides clapped at a sort of series of saves brad made at one point it was unbelievable Mate, what a hero th-
0: Absolutely, mate. I've got one of those orange Man of the Match cards in FIFA at the moment for that performance. Sensation. We don't
1: need David Ryder. We don't need Andre Anana. We've got Bradley Adams. Me. Yeah, get me in there.
0: <laughs> Can't be worse. I can be. I can be very worse. Like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it can happen. Uh, the season's over. Arsenal won 2-0 at the Emirates Stadium mm. over Brighton. Uh, Yves Bissouma with a decent audition for his uh, new club. I think we'll let him in, don't you? An Agent Pepe. Uh... At the end there, yeah. Let's start on that. So I, I actually think that's really significant. I've never seen a player who is... I mean, and don't let's not kid ourselves. Basuma knows there's links. If you're on the on the pitch with the guy who's just scored both goals in front of the cameras, chatting openly, looking up and around the stadium, it was like he's giving him a tour. He was giving him the Emirates tour, which is which is quite good, by the way. Um, if you haven't done it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It, it felt like quite a moment to me
0: yeah it i think yeah it's like you say isn't it i don't think that they'll be um to uh, Basuma will know that there's links uh, sorry i was just checking his stats he also had the most tackles today um which i think is you know i i thought Basuma was very very good but i, I it, excellent i think you've seen it a few, there's probably a few times in history that you could probably see it. Like I can remember, and to varying degrees, I remember the Barcelona squad before Sesk left for Barca, putting a Barcelona top during I think when they won the Euros on him. Yeah, uh, which at the time I obviously found massively disrespectful because you're like, well, he's he's still a still an Arsenal player, but. um you know, it always seems that those kind of moments bear fruit, and it's it's no surprise that we've we've heard talk already of something like a 30, 35 five million pound bid. Uh, and I think this game is almost a perfect example of why we're in for a player like him. Yeah, four tackles, one interception, two clearances, one block shot, shot uh, committed one foul, you blocked uh, had a shot, was fouled twice, um, was dispossessed three times. Passing wise, he, uh, you know, he's got a ninety-two percent pass accuracy, two accurate long balls, forty passes, and for somebody who isn't the metronome of that Brighton team, like fantastic statistics. He's so and good, a great and also physical I, presence and burst.
1: Yeah, what I enjoy is he drops um, and kind of plays. You know how El when he when he plays kind of almost sits between our two centre backs. He does yeah. that for Brighton and he's quick. He gets up and down the pitch. And also those tackles and those interceptions, if you go back and watch the game, they're all at crucial times. They're crucial interceptions. Oh, yeah. so there was one uh in their box, I think, against Pepe, where he just he steals at exactly the right moment. He's he's excellent, mate. He's absolutely excellent.
0: It would be I, I think it's sense it's a sensational piece of business if we pull it off. And I really hope we do. Um we've will obviously come on to Cern well
1: let, let's just hope he eaves Brighton. Get it? Like leaves? <laughs> I think we should move on from there, maybe. Maybe we'll yeah. leave on <laughs> um, Are there some sort of, sort of bum fluff around the game? Um, bum
0: fluff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giddy day, having seen
1: you, Brad, that's it. Um. The oh, right. Yeah, Josh Cronky was there uh, with mm. Tim Lewis, who... Let's just not go into that man's hairline. Um, in the post-match, Arteta was asked about Josh Kroenke uh, being there. He said, Josh Kroenke was here today. What did he say to you? He said the same that He says every time we're on the phone, he's very supportive, very passionate about the club. He wants to take the club to a different level. That's the ambition. That's why he's here. David Ornstein also um, tweeting about basically it was the first time since early 2020 he's been here, supposedly spoke to the first team squad yesterday. It's significant. I don't know how significant, but it's significant that he was there and significant that he wanted to be prominent. He wasn't hiding. Was quite hard to hide in a stadium with 200 no sky people. cameras there. But, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. Uh, I I mean, I think a lot of those... I think some of those comments are bullshit as well because I guarantee you that not every time Mikel Arteta and Josh Kroenke talks does he roll out the PR line of I want to take this club to the next level. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like that's not the thing you're telling Mikel is it? That's 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 like class. It's like what happened with this whole you know Bruno Maslotti thing and no surprise the day after we've not renewed his contract there's a story in the AFC program where Tierney's talking up the other, other physios like PRFC out in full force, but um,
1: what a I, cynic!
0: I, I, no, Not well, I, I don't. I, I have no. I have no problem. I just think. Look, we uh, we will see what happens with the cron- with what the Cronkies do this summer. We'll see. You know, uh, for too long I have um, spoon fed myself and ate up the absolute rancid shite we've been fed from from the owners of this club. About, you know, we've got a war chest of 200 million. We're moving to the Emirates to compete with Bayern, Munich and Real Madrid. We're only selling players now so that we can, you know, build a strong foundation for the future. We are selling players not because we financially have to, but because it's a it's a club that, and all of this other fucking nonsense that we've been fed over the last 15 years. That, you know, they have taken us to a different level. They've taken us from being Premier League winners and constantly in the Champions League to being eighth so job you know, done Cronky yeah. fuck off and actions actions to be louder than words yeah I, exactly. I understand that so I we'll, just see, think what hap- we'll yeah. see what happens this summer but I'm I yeah. not I'm like I'm not going to be brought into I'm not yeah. it's, like, it's like that whole oh, thing he's in the fucking come. Avengers thanks for coming yeah, yeah like, <laughs> it's like that whole thing in Avengers when like um, spoiler I mean this film's been out for two years but fucking skip ahead if you haven't seen the last oh, two oh I haven't Avengers seen it Brad films. don't you, uh, la, 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 la. you say it but oh I'll, I won't I'll say promise. it I won't say it then no, no, there's, right. a, there's, there's basically a certain moment in the film where one of the characters says the line don't give me hope and I, I like, I'm not going to be brought into this whole idea of like false hope thinking that we're going to go out and revolution I know this is going to take time but I don't believe mm. that the Cronkies will ever take us where we need to be because all we need to be is profitable and for that to happen we just need to be in the Champions League we don't have to win the Champions League we don't yes. have to win the Premier League you know so they'll take us yeah. as far as they can until they can withdraw their financial support. And it will just be the same story again and again and again. And that's happened with every single one of their franchises. I know we've delved into this conversation, but like there's, there's no <laughs> surprise that they are renowned in the US for having just borderline fodder when it comes to like places in the league. That they, You know, so fuck the Cronkies, mate. That will always be my opinion of them.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Different Rock podcast. <laughs> <It's, that's> the,
0: <laughs> you turned the up hope. to a
1: football club's game. It's the hope that kills you, Brad. <laughs> you <Right>. have none. <laughs> I have fucking none when it comes to those wankers. Uh, I have a bit. Listen, you know, it's significant there, as I say, but anyway. Um, so, uh, also, other bum fluff. I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Other bum fluff around uh, the game. Uh, Arteta answering a question about Erdogan in his post-match, about uh, yeah. basically saying he wants to speak to Real Madrid, which is indicating that we want to sign him on a per- permanent. I think that was always the decision. I mean, pretty clear they were going to try and sign him on a permanent, but it's good to get confirmation. Basically yeah. saying, you know, he's adapted really well. Hopefully we've given him as well the hope and the feeling that it could be a good place for him, which I think is basically the, the biggest selling point we can do. Babe, we're not in Europe. We're, uh, we're not successful. We're not competitive, but you will be on the pitch more. And you'll be important because, <laughs> yeah. I just um,
0: think, yeah, I, I I don't think it's likely to happen. I think with the rumours that Zidane's leaving Madrid, he'll probably end up staying. And if you're Odegaard, you're looking at it and going, I've just had a great six months in England. Well, not a great six months, but a decent a positive, six a months in England. Yeah. You know, he's been on the pitch more and with the age of some certain members of that squad, you could easily see them shuffling a few pieces about and starting him more. So mm. I think that one's going to be a difficult move to get done, but you know, I- I'd be all for it if it could get done.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it then because let's do it, uh, it. in terms of the results, Arsenal are eighth, uh, with, mm. what is it? 61 points. We didn't have a St. Totteringham's day, unfortunately. Uh, Tottenham are in the Europa Conference League. I believe West Ham have a playoff and Leicester are in the Europa League. And then City, United, Liverpool and Chelsea make top four. Um, we're not in Europe for the first time in 25 years, but I kind of. Th- th- there's something I, I feel don't, about this. Is I don't that care. this kind of. Well, yeah, but like the thing is, we have a. What 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 would be known as a, a proud European history, or this idea that An you know we've been
0: history within, we've know,
1: been competitive in the top yeah. European competitions for twenty five years, and that's great. Why continue that? It, like we could arrange some mid season friendlies, playing some random teams from the Spanish mm. Segunda Division, and say we're in Europe. What's it doesn't matter if if a competition doesn't achieve anything. All it would do is get us into Europe. And frankly, the esteem, the money, the um, any other positives, which I can't really see many of for the Europa Conference League, are massively, to me, outweighed by the fact that the Mikel Arteta, crucially, is going to have time on the training pitch. These players are going to have time to recover. Players like Bukayo Saka are going to have less minutes in their legs. Mm -hmm. We're going to see more explosiveness. We're going to see more attack. I think we're going to see... And also, crucially, in terms of judging Arteta, we're having this thing of, you know, get to January, see where he's at. This gives him, basically, as long as he gets the investment in the summer, which it sounds like he will, nowhere to hide. This is because you could go, oh, he had the Conference League and then, you know, whatever. This gives him absolutely nowhere to hide. So I I see a lot of positives in in not being in Europe.
0: 100%. I concur kind of entirely with that. You it's know, almost like we
1: chatted about this earlier and, like, yeah, agreed.
0: It is. it um, is. <laughs> but we've seen when clubs like Leicester or West Ham or Wolves or... Chelsea that season. Of, you know, but no, no, no. But as in, like, when those kind of smaller clubs have gone into a European competition, you know, they've massively fallen away in the league because they don't have the squad depth. But then on the flip side of that, you look at people outside of European competition, those same people, like uh, Leicester... Um, were knocked out quite early in the Europa League group stages in the Europa League knockout stages, sorry. Uh, West Ham, no European competition. Um, Leeds, no European competition, you know. And they've had for their clubs what is a marvellous season. You know, Leeds were newly promoted and then ninth above Everton. Who brought in James Rodriguez, Allen, and Ducouré? And everyone was talking about the fact that they'd quote unquote won the transfer window at one point. You were know, top half
1: to five games.
0: You know, exactly. Um, so, Chelsea, I'm pretty sure Chelsea won the league this season that they weren't in European competition.
1: Yeah, that's what I was referring um, to,
0: yeah. So, it's massive, it's massive qualities for that. And I think. Like, Here's here's the argument that you can make for European competition is the finances. You go, oh well, being in Europe means that you 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 get more money and you have the chance to play for more money and this and that. And I think that I want to really it's boil negligible. down that argument. It's Wait, really manageable, uh, yeah, exactly. And I really want to boil up, boil that argument down for for just a few seconds and say, if you take Europe's premier competition, the Champions League, the winner of the Champions League gets a third of the money that are newly promoted, then the, if, if you win the championship playoff final, you get three times, I think, more money than the people that win the Champions League. All right? And it's in the hundreds of millions, right? I think when you look at that and you go, oh, you know what, well, Arsenal, they, they, they could use that money. We have an owner that's worth 8.4 billion US dollars. It's nothing in comparison to the net worth that is hoarded by the people that own this club. Do not get it twisted that, okay, um, wage bill-wise and maybe FFP-wise, because we're not generating as much revenue from having those extra match days and having the extra sponsorships or the extra TV money and all of that kind of stuff, that will hurt Arsenal. But if you're talking about, oh, well, we won't be able to sign Buendia for 40 million because, you know, we've got, we won't have the actual cash. Our owner's worth 8.4 billion. Like if we wanted to sign that player and they were serious about this project, yeah. we would have the money. So realistically, this competition, which gives us nothing, it's held in no esteem. You know, it's, it's basically what I think this competition will be. Uh, And this is a conversation for a a big conversation for another another time is I think that we will see the phasing out of certain teams from the Champions League and the Europa League into the Conference League. You'll see people like Dinamo Zagreb and the Croatian League, the, the winners from that league will only start getting either Europa League or Conference League football. And they will start to distribute the places for the Champions League in a way that is more fair and beneficial. Because, for example, the conversation that we had after the ESL, why should Leicester, who have come fifth in what is known as the hardest league in the world be punished when Dinamo Zagreb can win their league and be in the Champions League but mm. i think that that's what this league will become is the cannon fodder for the clubs that still deserve to play in europe because they've won their domestic divisions but their domestic divisions kind of
1: yeah alongside aren't as good. strong
0: enough um so i i have no problem the and we and i, I think you know it's important to say, we said before the match We wanted Everton to win today and Spurs to lose and us to win so that we could come above Spurs and um, not get the Conference League. So seeing as Everton lost, I would rather Spurs come above us and have those extra midweek games and tire themselves out and be shit in the league again next season. Because the most important thing for us, if we can get it, is Champions League football next season.
1: And any new manager at Spurs is going to come in and try and win those conference games because they're trying to impress. No trophy. I think something something to look at with the Europa League. So this is the Europa League. This isn't even the Conference League. The maximum amount of money you can get from the Europa League winning the competition is fifteen million euros. Two places you bump up two places in the league, you get fifteen million pounds. Yeah. If you, for example, if you if you win the group, you get a million euros. And listen obviously i'm saying a million euros and that's a million euros right but think of the the scale it and put it in the context of the conversations that you were just having about cronky and the money he has if we, if they're serious it shouldn't matter and and i think the a billion load is and a, the, is, a, is, a,
0: is is a billion a thousand million or yeah, a 100 million yeah, so a, a billion million. is a thousand million so cronky has eight it has uh, what is it like
1: a few moments later,
0: 8,400 8, 8, million pounds. Yeah. So he has eight. Like it's his wealth is eight thousand four hundred times that. So it like realistically, financially, if you and obviously look, I'm not an idiot. It's not as simple as that. It's are, the reason whatever, the billionaires yeah. are billionaires is it's not it's not liquid cash because you know none of them hold liquid cash, um, but you know, it's, it's the it's,
1: business of sport with Bradley just, Adams. Well, well, it's not yeah. even
0: that. It's just like fucking billionaires are billionaires because they hoard generational wealth and all that kind of wanky shite in economics. But, um, it means nothing. The, the money aspect means nothing. Okay. Yeah. It might hurt us. And it, when it comes to FFP, when it comes to players wages, but you know, hopefully we're getting out a lot of the players that are on ridiculously sized wages for who they are. Yeah. You know, Granite I think being on something like a hundred, a hundred grand a week or more is is ridiculous for the quality of play that he is. I you think
1: know? you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the the clarity of if they're serious about this project, if they're serious about investing, and I've said it many times, it they're a business. If our business is currently costing them money, so they will invest, and I agree with you, they'll invest to the point where it becomes a profitable business again. I'm hoping that then means they'll. they'll well, I'm hoping they'll continue, but listen, who knows? But but the point being that. Yeah, I think that the, the main main headline here is it doesn't matter whether you have Conference League and it massively, for me, massively uh, not being in it outweighs the the benefits of being in it. Um, Absolutely. Okay, let's get on to the game quickly because it was a football game apparently. Uh, no fans were back. 10,000 fans in the Emirates. Sensational. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So nice and just nice to get that thing, you know, when a player has the ball about 30 yards out and everyone goes... Shoot! <laughs> <laughs> missed it so much. And in fairness, oh, the it. first kind of couple of minutes of the of the match, which you missed, um, and the uh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was,
0: the district line fucked me over. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, uh, what was going to say yes. Uh, it fe- it felt more urgent, and it felt as though we were playing for something. There was some urgency. There was more shots. Felt mm. like some more chances. Rob Holding had a decent chance at one point. Um, I think Gabrielle Gabriel at the bar, decent, and that was all kind of in the first sort of half an hour or 15, so. But, yeah. but yeah, I, I did feel the difference of the fans, and you just think with sixty thousand fans back in, how much, how different could certain it's games within this season
0: is going to be? You know, yeah, again, it's just going to it's going to be a completely different experience, especially as you know a, a watcher behind a screen. Um, but yeah oh it was it was so good and to see stupid shit like when I was it oh, some brighton player slicing a shot and it going like high and wide and then like the people in the background taking the piss and stuff like yeah. that Do you know what I mean like yeah, the weird, yeah yeah those moments are like that's
1: what football is like it's, yeah
0: because oh, I love that I love that because it if, so it, if it's
1: otherwise it just becomes this like cold placid,
0: stale thing you
1: know is played in a vacuum and is just like well we could all do this and it it
0: gets to a point where you you have to be really interested in the actual game itself as like almost a theory based game and tactics and statistics and all of these things when you haven't got that atmosphere and environment because it it becomes less of art because i know a lot of people and a lot of football fans and this is no disrespect to them that go to football for the atmosphere and the experience and yeah. how it feels on a match. And day, day out. And I think that, yeah, 100%. And that's totally fine. And that's your experience of football. But as somebody who, you know, spent most of his time watching football behind a screen, my experience tends to be on the more kind of watching it, watching the patterns of play analytical side, because I'm not there to experience the full throttle of the atmosphere. But as somebody who's also been to the Emirates when it's at capacity, it's sensational to hear 60,000 people. Like, 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 like you say, when a player is 45 yards out and then like 15,000 people for some reason just decide to go shoot shoot. and the players do, you know, they just fucking have a ping. Do
1: you know what I mean? Like, you you see see the thing, it's as much as we can kind of break down the, and we get, you know, every season you get more and more analytical and you get more and more Mm. the data driven becomes further and you, but you can't rule out the fact that there are 60,000 people watching you. That's a com- that You oh. can't pretend that's not a different element. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah. pretend that that doesn't affect things, doesn't affect decisions, doesn't affect whether you run that extra five yards. Of course it does. And it's so great to have it back, not only for football in general, but for us. I think we've missed our fans, as, as everyone has, I'm sure. But I think for a, specifically for a young team, a, t- a team struggling with confidence, a team that at times this season have been uh, have struggled with concentration, I think fans will help mm-hmm. us a lot, um, and just yeah. keep us keep the, the 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 what's the word like the pot boiling. That's such a shit analogy. Alex. shut up. Um, but yeah, no, like you know you know what I mean. Like the 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 it just it just keeps us going, and it's yeah. To me, it's it, it's it's come far too late, but finally it's come.
0: Um, 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 um,
1: and there's not loads
0: on the game. We were fairly in charge. Um, Gabrielle and Tierney both had sensational moments of defending, you know, Gabrielle yeah. keeping up with, I don't know, was it McAllister maybe or Connolly holding him up and then, I think his first half
1: so not Connolly,
0: yeah. Uh, um, and then Tierney, two on one, sensationally oh, yeah. marshals the play so that he, it then takes away the option of the pass pretty much and then tackles. So, yeah. Yeah, Um, it it reminded me of that. Abayang not moving, you know. Like we were having a conversation about how everything in football just comes from movement, and Abayang just again, like it, it, like the. I think the like just the words that come to mind is like placid and just.
1: Yeah, I think
0: really ineffective.
1: There's there's something that probably encapsulates those two moments, looking back and going forward. In in so much as what Tini did was intelligent. And Aubameyang and the the lack of intelligence that Aubameyang is showing at the other end at the moment for me, the the teeny moment reminded me of um, there was a moment in a Liverpool versus Tottenham game I think in like the eighteen yeah. nineteen season or something. Virgil van it's, Dijk, yeah, it's van Dijk, Sissoko, and Son, and they're away. It's two v one, and van Dijk, you watch him, angle his body, and immediately make a decision and make a calculation that the thing you want here. Is Sissoko on his left? You don't want Son on either foot, and you don't want Sissoko on his strong foot. You want Sissoko on his left, so he angles his body and makes makes them have to go on that side. Because if you're going to concede a shot, it's going to happen. Sissoko skies it, and it's the same thing we're here with Tierney. He slows them down, he gets them on the wrong foot, and it's excellent. And that kind of intelligence and that kind of game intelligence is so is so um, is so important. And we, I think, we compared. we then we compare Bamiang and Vardy? And well, I kind of yeah. made the joke about you know. Vardy's got football sense and Aubameyang's got fashion sense but like it, it is kind of true there's a moment where Erdogan has the ball centrally there's two defenders and Aubameyang makes basically a left to right run across the goal into uh, two uh, defenders
0: into both defenders yeah
1: and it pulls them over Aubameyang shut off it means that Erdogan's Basically, he's looking for that ball, and there's no one there, so he wastes some time. Someone's able to close him down, and the game goes. An intelligent striker. I wish I could be like Jamie Carragher. He'd be like there, but an intelligent striker yeah. runs the other way. It or runs yeah. out because what what would happen then is you you either get you either commit a defender, and there's some space for Erdogan to have a shot, or the defender doesn't go with you, and abameang's free. It's mm-hmm. it's stuff like that that you see as a fan, and you go. There's such a lack of forethought at the moment for Aubameyang, and I think actually there was a moment as well where he was played through a couple of times where he just he didn't have any pace. I see moments, you know, sort of like Puki and Buendia. If we get Buendia, I can see Aubameyang getting on the end of some nice long, uh, long passes, but I don't see that that breakneck speed anymore. I don't see that. No, blisteringly quick, intelligent decision making. I don't know what it is. I don't want to just assume with, it's the age curve, but
0: you know, I think it's with this. But with with the speed thing at the moment as well, I think that that's probably still a bit of a hangover from the malaria issues and everything. But that, and we, I'm, I think I mentioned this about the Crystal Palace game. There were just moments where, if he commits to a run at the back post. And it doesn't even have to be a sprint, just a light jog to the back post. He would have had a tap-in in that game. And it's kind of moments like that that make you question. I don't think it's questioning his ability. I think it's starting to question his desire. Because there is a reason this man, you know, has won the golden boot in this country. And, you know, won the golden boot in Germany. He is a great footballer but there seems to be something off with him at the moment and the more i look at it the more i think that without that pace there's a big issue because sometimes like you, we've you just explained he makes the wrong decisions but even then when he's in the right place with the decision pretty much made for him like that run at the back post against palace is sunday league level like a sunday league striker would be at the back post We'll just jog at that back post. And he's not making the decision to do it. It makes me question, is it commitment? Is it something along those lines? Is it something else that we've kind of, or that we're missing almost? But I think we've made our our feelings on both Abamyang and Lacazette quite clear that if we get decent offers in the summer, we should kind of cut and run while we can. Mm. But I don't think that we'll sell both. But there, something needs to happen with Abamyang, And I don't know whether it's a conversation needs to ha- be had with him about his desire on the football pitch. Could just be a rest. Who knows? Yeah. This summer, a rest. Uh, and hopefully we see more of the Abamyang from the 2019-20 season than the one we've just had.
1: It's it's dragging defenders as well. I mean, something that I absolutely admire about someone like Luis Suarez or even playing like Marcinelli up front. They're constantly in motion. And they're constant and it doesn't mm. you, you you're never gonna you've got two massive defenders behind you, that happens. You're not gonna receive the ball very often in that in that space. But what you are doing is you're making them check themselves and you're you're splitting their brain because one of them is watching the ball and one of them is watching where you are. You're splitting what what's happening there. If you're st- static and stationary, they're not worrying about you. So it's well, they're much harder to break down, and the line is much clearer. And it's yeah, I, I just don't see enough rotation from and movement from Aubameyang, and it that that used to be there, that and that's it's a shame. Um, came out in the second half to WWE. Oh yeah, what was it? Um, the John Cena song.
0: Da, 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 da. That one.
1: Yeah. There's got to be some kind of you can't see me funny joke here. Come on, Brad.
0: Um and Abami Yang did did a John Cena.
1: Something I did enjoy was we've we've talked about the lack of desire and the lack of passion a little bit this season. And Arteta got like got told to calm down by John Moss. Um a couple of our players, like Erdogan was still pressing like the eighty sixth minute. In a game, yeah. you know, a 2-0 game where we're winning and it doesn't matter, you know, it's not, we're not looking for goal difference or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good to see that. I mean, I wish we'd seen it earlier in the season, but like, it was nice to see that we can get ourselves up for games. And when the confidence is a bit higher on a decent run, I think we're more willing to do that. And I don't know, I like it. I like that Artis is constantly going and, and telling them where to go and they're listening. And they're, it feels like he's got control of this, of this, of this side.
0: Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. I think there is going to come a time when, especially with fans in the ground, he's going to have to start putting a bit more faith and trust in these players because, you and know, a little like bit we've of seen dust. and we've said, <laughs> like we've seen and said across the season, sometimes we look a bit dazed because it feels like we're being, they're, they're so drilled that if things aren't working, you know, it, it seems that they, they lose all sense of creativity and flow. Um, so hopefully, I don't mind them shouting, especially at referees and, and, and linesmen and things like that, because there's a famous quote that I mentioned before about you know a referee giving Roy Keane a free kick because Roy Keane shouted at him, and <laughs> like, and referees coming out and saying about like they feared Alex Ferguson and stuff like that. So that's where Fergie time comes from. So all these like stupid little things, like, and I'm not but saying competitive be an advantages. Asshole.
1: Their competitive advantages, yeah, exactly.
0: I'm not saying be a dickhead, but if you see, like, and there were a few challenges. I thought John Moss had a good game today. I thought he marshaled it well. I thought he made, like, some, correct, uh, you know, which is a surprise, you know, me complimenting Just, a ref.
1: <laughs> there was one point in there when Brad turned to me and went, who's the referee? He's having
0: a really good game. I was like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. But, do you know, I think that's, the thing is, is it's so nice to see do you know what I mean like it's it's I'm so I'm almost like people talk to say this about VAR that you know they're stopping celebrating because they're expectant of it to go I'm expectant of a referee to make a mistake you know a big one I'm waiting for it half the time what was nice was to just see a ref really professionally marshal a game and there were a few moments like there was a late challenge from party that you could argue could just stretch over into a yellow card but you know, just gave him a talking to, it was first mm. foul, first challenge, you know, made the right decision. And I think that it was, you know, dealt with very well. And that is a big positive from from this game, especially. And I think it, it shows what decent refereeing can do in this country. Just allow a game to happen and and not be almost the main story of it.
1: I don't don't want to talk about this now, but I did watch the two playoffs and refereeing in the playoffs was really, really good. I wonder if it's about moving people up and down the leagues a bit more. I think people get a bit comfortable. Um, Another thing I noticed was about the defending, I, th- I thought we were a lot more front footed. There's again, I've, I've referenced this a few times on the podcast, but Jamie Carragher does some brilliant analysis of Chelsea's defending front footed, not allowing the space to be, to be, to be clear, to turn on the half turn or anything like that. Um Gabrielle and holding, were doing really well with that. And then we should talk about Nicola Pepe. I mean,
0: <sighs> I, I've literally got him written goals. down. Um He's got our most, uh, he's got our most, their direct goal contributions this season with 16 goals and five assists. Uh, he in the Premier League now with 10 goals has more goals than Havertz, Pulisic, and Ziyech combined. Um, just sense sensational. It's four goals in two games. Like
1: it's also not just up front. Nicola Pepe made more ball recoveries, nine interceptions, two and shots four than any other Arsenal player versus Brighton today. He's all over the pitch. Something switched. Something has switched. Yeah. You watch him. You never see it. if 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 the camera is trained on Arsenal's goal. The fact that you're seeing Nicola Pepe on your on your screen, that's new. That that hasn't happened before. We haven't seen the level of involvement of Pepe defensively that we have now. And he's, I don't know whether he's fitter, he's more agile. But the but the person that we're seeing now, in his mid twenties, I think he's going to explode next season. And those two goals were amazing. I mean, truly amazing. So,
0: sensationally a- well, like brilliantly well taken as well. You know, the first one, uh, an, a, a peach of a volley on his right foot with a brilliant ball from Chambers that does the defenders. Because I think one thing that will start to help Pepe is that everyone believes, and I I, still, I think he is, but it, that he is so one-footed. And so you watch it all the time and you see this with a lot of kind of left-footed players is they only mark the left foot. Like, they, they just automatically expect it. Whereas, you know, Chambers does the defenders with, with a brilliant low cross in. Pepe controls it brilliantly and smacks it home with his right for the first yeah. one. And then the cool slotted finish through Lewis Dung's legs for the second is just sensational. Like
1: It's like power power and placement. You see them both. It, it's it, really good. It
0: honestly just was... Like... I, in the, he he gives me sometimes in his movement like Henri vibes,
1: mm-hmm. but it is again. Do you it's you what I mean? By it that? comes from movement, and it's that, that moving. No,
0: no. And that and that slotted finish. Like I, I I've got like images burned into my brain of Henri doing three defenders and then yeah. just slotting it far corner. And yeah. those kind of slotted finishes and those placed finishes are just exquisite. And yeah. he I think is going to have a big season next season
1: so do I yeah just to come back to Chambers I really do want to if you haven't go and watch the goal watch what Chambers does it's genius he basically Mm -hmm. feints to spank the ball and he kind of just plays it into Pepe really nice take on his left and as you say he uses his right I think yeah it's the work rate it's the mentality it's this he looks more confident he looks more involved he looks more interested whatever's going on is working and I think Someone like Pepe having an explosive, you know, 25, 30 goals, goal season next season would be just the exact thing we need. And just the exact thing he needs. I mean, coming into this stage of his career, what is he now, 26, 25, 26? 25,
0: turning 26.
1: and He's 25 until he turns 26. Um, the... Please don't
0: mention the fact that, you know, I'm the same age as Nicola Pepe because that's already <laughs> giving me nightmares.
1: But you've got a podcast, Brad. Please don't. Um but yeah, no, you know, coming on to into the next into next season, I think he's hit hit form, I mean obviously late later than we would have liked, but the fact that he is coming good, because I think it could have been a real stick or twist kind of summer with Pepe. I think, you know, if he had he not finished the season in such good form, I think it's like five goals and three starts or something, had he not finished the season in this kind of form, had he not shown what potentially we can do if we continue down this kind of road. I think a lot of people would have said, you know, if you get a £40 million bid for him, if you get a £30 million bid for him, you're looking at potentially potentially selling him. I think now mm-hmm. most people wouldn't accept anything much less than what we paid for him. I think, he, you know, he is looking extremely talented. Two seasons of Premier League experience under his belt. He's looking at that. And, and all the comments coming out from Arteta about his mentality, about his shift, about something he now wants to be the best. There's something that's changed Um and the defensive side of his game has improved so much that I think he, you don't lose so much when you play Pepe. I think that the, there was always the trade-off of, you know, you're not going to get the defensive side of his game um, and something Lundberg referenced and I talked about in the last podcast that he basically cheated and just sort of waited for the ball and then sort of did a YouTube clip goal. He's now the, he's now becoming the complete package and if he can continue on this trajectory, I think we've got our wins oh, sorted God, yeah. with Saka and Pepe. He,
0: he, he is, well, he always has been in the sense that, like in the style that he plays, but he's now becoming and doing and being more regularly that second goal threat option that we've talked about so much that we have we've been crying out for this season. Um, whilst we don't have goals from midfield, in the sense that when we have um, Smith Rowe in in the kind of the ten or the left wing, he is more creative than he is a direct goal threat. He'll get a couple of goals uh, and the same with Erdegaard. They are more creative and, and Saka, they are more creative players than they are direct goal threats. Pepe is that second direct goal threat that we've been crying out for. And now he's hit this form next, the, uh, next season with a front three, uh, a front three of possibly Pepe on the right, Buendia in the middle and Saka on the left. That is tantalizing. Like that is mm. so exciting. Um, he really and if you had somebody like Buendia and like we've seen with Erdegaard who can create for him and can slide the ball into him his numbers just could go supernova next season we could yep. see a 20 goal a 20 kind of goal 5-6 assist season from him next season in the league not maybe not in the league maybe 15 in the league but like we really, 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 and he for me, I'm always. And one thing that I think about a player like that, it's for me the excitement test when he gets the ball at the moment. We
1: literally sat on the edge of our seat.
0: We were no matter when it was, the two of us came to the front of your sofa yeah. because we're like something's gonna ha- like, yeah. And that's such that's, what, a that's good- football. That's football. But uh, it's football. It's f- that uh, it's, football, it's football heritage. heritage. <laughs> but it is it is like in the sense that like, it is those moments that get you off of your seat and having a player like him, he is yeah. starting. I don't think he'll ever be a 72 million pound player, but that's because my opinion, I think, you know, mm, the, the, the money <laughs> in football is crazy. Right. For 72 million pounds, you should be buying like, fucking Lewandowski do you know what I mean like world class will break all goal scoring records yeah. but you know yeah. the money in football is, is mental I don't think he'll ever be what people think a 72 million pound player would be but what but does that I mean do you know what I mean like what is 72
1: do you know what I mean it's yeah. like what especially is 72 when
0: million it, it, no but especially when technically he's only cost us 26 million pounds yeah that's fine do, do you know what I mean? Like everyone talks about him, like we spanked, and everyone uses this when they talk about the Cronkies as well. They go, "Oh well, we spent seventy two million on Pepe," and I'm like, "No, we didn't. We've done accountants FC, and we, over the next five years, we're indebted to Lille." Like, yeah.
1: I think, I think, I think we've talked about this before. Most most clubs do that, but anyway, um, talk oh, about yeah, moments they, to get yeah. us off. Um, our... That's no surprise, especially for the uh, to, for big big deals. But yeah, talking about moments to get us off uh, off the edge of our seats. That's the phrase, isn't it? No, it's not. Uh, party hit the bar what a take what oh. a hit I thought it was the moment so he had, Wasn't what was it three trend.
0: shots three shots he had one that just went wide yeah. one where the keeper pulled out a decent save and then that one where it, he, he takes it and it's on the half volley oh. it was
1: it was a great period we, we described it sort of ball esque knocking it about oh. one touch two, two touch out, do you want with it? with
0: defensive solidity
1: yeah that's what I said which is what you said my... so I've
0: stolen it from you <laughs> just pinging it in there like I'm the genius
1: Anything else on the game, Brad?
0: Uh, nothing from me, mate. Okay. Uh, in the oh, next actually, bit- actually, we've, we've spoken about it before. Just a shout out to ESR, man. Like, yeah. fuck me. Sensational.
1: So direct, so direct. Uh, we're going to look back at our predictions from the beginning of the season next. This should be fun. Jesus, we'll see you after this.
0: News and games.
1: Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy this podcast, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. <clears throat> <laughs> Who did we predict for top scorer, Brad? This was in the episode number five. If you want to go back to episode number five, we were in our podcasting infancy and we had an episode with Gunna Panna, uh, JB at Gunna Panna, uh, at Gunna Panna, Gunna Panna uh, on Twitter. on to the piss army
0: for it, and then you fucked it, you did <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: That's how this podcast goes, but um, we yeah. had an episode we've gone a panel where we predicted top scorer, second highest scorer, um, most assists, league position, trophies, flop of the season, and young player of the season. So let's have a look back. Who did we say, Bradley, for top scorer of the season?
0: I think I would have said Aubameyang.
1: We probably. all said Aubameyang. Uh, it was, in fact, Lacazette with 17 goals. Notably, by the way, um, that Balogun, I appreciate this is massively swayed. Minutes per goal, 38. And I, I mean, it is against some farms. Europa League, yeah, yeah. But 38, considering you know, Lac- that is Lacazette good. is 144. That is very, good. very good. Oh, yeah. Um, it's So we all fucked wrong. that. It is very good. Not as much as about my this season. Uh, second highest scorer, who did we say? I think I uh, did. I say Pepe. We all got it bang on with Pepe. Sixteen goals. I mean, he we he saved it the last day of the season. But we all got it bang on with Pepe. Sixteen goals. Uh, most
0: assists. You said Tierney. I did say Tierney. I think. Oh God, who did I say?
1: You said... Who did I say? Saka. And you were right, Brad. Saka, well, you were joint Didn't right. Did I? Willian got seven assists. <laughs> Smith-Rowe got seven assists. And Saka got seven assists. Tierney got four. So my rogue shout was wrong. But I will say this... If
0: he'd been fit. If yeah, he'd been I think fit, he probably would have. There's a would've. big caveat to that. Because yeah. if he had been fit, we would have seen a lot more from Tierney this season.
1: Yeah absolutely absolutely Um, okay league position (laughs) Uh, I think I said fourth optimistic I think I said fourth I said fourth you said fifth in fairness I did caveat it I did did say um, I did say with signings and I said with multiple signings and we only signed party but I I think I was fairly
0: optimistic. You, there's a theme here. I was massively optimistic. <laughs> oh mate, so was I. I, I think I, there was so much optimism around Arsenal. Yeah, you know, fans understand. were when when we beat Fulham 3-0 were singing like we want our we've got our Arsenal back. So there was a massive amount of um oh God, what's the word? There was a massive, massive amount of of hope and um and positivity moving yeah. into this and season. And understandably, post-FA Which Cup. Which is why... With some good signings. the Yeah, but and, and this is why, you know, the first half of the season hurt so much. Because we were shit.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, trophies? What do you reckon? I,
0: did I say we wouldn't get any?
1: We all basically said Europa League. We'd throw it all at the Europa League and get a run. No one said we'd win anything, but we all said we think, essentially, we'd get a Europa League run.
0: Which, you know, not bad. is we pretty did. much... We
1: did. Semi-finals. Yeah, essentially. Uh, flop of the season. Did I say Runeson? <laughs> you didn't. I don't think... he had you sound about that point? You said Cedric Suarez. <laughs> oh... Am I right or am I wrong? That's a difficult one, isn't I d- it? I don't think it's the flop of the. Se- I, I mean, there's a very obvious contender for the person who is the actual flop of the season.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. If we discount it, that absolute nonce, but, um, and <laughs> you can't call people nonces, Brad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> trying to be professional here. <laughs> um, you can bleep it out. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Um, I'm not yeah. I don't believe it. Out. People need to think, hear it. I think he's had an up and down season, but I wouldn't know. I I don't think he's any. I think he's nowhere near flop of the season. I think there's you know three players, maybe yeah. even four that would beat him to that. Yeah. Because even in some aspects, I think there is an argument that Thomas Party, the signing of Thomas Party, has been a bit of a flop this season. There's a big caveat with that question because there's been a lot of injuries. You know, he's only started like 17 or 18 Premier League games this season. So I think that, but I I think the argument can be made, you know, when you spend £45 million on a new central midfielder and you go from 8th to 8th and you've had a lot of issues within the midfield, you know, there's, there's a big question mark. But I think when you consider the injuries, the fitness issues, all of these things... For me, I wouldn't call him a flop. I'm just saying I think that there is an argument that could be made.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said Pablo Mari. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Only because I thought he, would, uh, he wouldn't play. I thought he would be a complete backup to Gabriel. I thought Gabriel would play basically every game this season and be dovetailing in with Saliba and stuff. But how fucking wrong was I? Um, and finally, young player of the season.
0: Uh, did I, Did we say Saka? I'm pretty sure we probably all across the board would have said that.
1: By the way, shout out JB, because he did say Saliba won't play, basically. That was his flop of the season. Did he? Yeah, he was like, he won't play.
0: So... I, I think that's mental, though, because, like, why not? But, yeah. I do you know don't. what I mean? Yeah. Especially since he's gone to fucking Nice and balled out. Yeah. Uh, young player of the season. <sighs> um, what was in... What did we guess? So
1: I said... I said basically it'll be Martinelli hopefully when it, I said uh, at the end of the season Martinelli will return and do well for us which I think is pretty, I think I'm ba- fairly bang on with that and I said Saka will push on so I'll, t- I'll take that that's a, that's a decent prediction yeah it's pretty good <laughs> hard man to please uh, guess yours Brad um, Saliba Eddie and Ketia was it? yeah was that actually? yeah Paul Jesus, I got
0: that wrong, didn't I?
1: Poor Christ. work. Poor, poor, poor work. Poor work for me. Um, okay, we are. have a question in from... Let me just get his name. Amin Farsi. Apologies if I've said your name wrong. Amin Farsi. Uh, he said, What is the right decision about Joe Willock? Question mark. I know the guy scored seven in seven matches, but we know he can't do that for Arsenal. And what is the fair price tag for him... And who will buy him from us? Amy Martinez 2.0 si- situation. And he said, make sure that Bradley has at least five minutes, consecutive minutes of cursing David Luiz and Willian and some imaginary Arsenal player from next season.
0: Um, Who's it going to be? Willian is... Um, oh, God, can you on, just... Trying to be, can you like... I don't know. I'm trying to be the most offensive with the least offensive words. Do you know what I mean?
1: Can you trash like Jack Grealish or something, just so it comes?
0: Trash. To be fair, Jack Grealish has only got six goals this season, so for a left yeah. winger, that's a bit poor, isn't it?
1: And also, he, uh, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to get into this. Uh, just to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get it drawn. <laughs> Jack Reed, I'm not
0: sure he'd be that good for it. He would be better than our players.
1: Um, oh, also, well, just yeah. to give he's some context. Mo- he's won
0: the most fouls in the Premier League this season. He's about 30 ahead of Zahar, and he's missed something like 10 games. Like, sen- he's sensational.
1: Joe Willock is now the youngest player to score in seven consecutive ma- matches in Premier League history. He's also, in Newcastle's history, the only player other than Alan Shearer to score seven in a row in the league for Newcastle. He's doing unbelievably, but to remind you the question basically, what do we do about him? I know he scored seven in seven matches, but what do we do?
0: Uh, for me, I'm still sell. I am. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I think that with the position that he plays in, we need a different profile of player. And every, look, what we need to caveat. Joe Willock is doing well for Newcastle because of their style of play, not because he has unlocked this level of his game that, you know, we'd never seen before. It's, It's because he's transitioned into a club, to a club and gone out to Newcastle where they burst down the field when given the option. Everything's quick, in the box, shoot. Now, he's been sensational for them. And I think it's great for him because what this has done is it cemented his career as a Premier League footballer. He will go to another, whereas if he hadn't got this loan and he'd sat on the bench, arguments could be made that he goes to to Brentford or to Bristol City or somewhere in the championship, right? What this has done is it cemented him as a mid to lower table Premier League player for me. For the rest of his career, I think he'll live off this moment because if he, especially if he stays at Newcastle, um, I think this is the perfect time to sell. He's at his peak value. Will he do this again? I don't know. Can we get good money for him? Yes. Do we need the money? Probably.
1: Do you want to ask yourself another question and answer it yourself? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think those are my thoughts. I I think that it is kind of time to, as as much as possible, move away from players that we know don't work in our system.
1: Yeah, here's where I'm at on it. I think he's done incredibly well and fair play to him because I think, as you say, he's massively adapted really well. Um, He's loved on Tyneside. I think he'll basically be a fan favourite from here on out. He sort of can do no wrong, I imagine, up there now. Uh, Newcastle finished in 12th, considering where they were you know, a month or two ago. They were looking like they were going to get relegated. It's an incredible turnaround. Um, I think there's a, there's a part of me that really wants to give him another go and to say, try him until January. Try him until, um, you know, let, let's bring him back, see what happens. And I think that's what Arteta is saying at the moment. I don't believe it necessarily. I think it's more of a bargaining thing to try and get more money out of Newcastle. But we need to be a smart club. We need to be a smart club. And for me, the choice is basically sell him now or wait. And we've seen in 44 appearances last season what Joe Willett can do for Arsenal, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We have to go off the empirical evidence. We have to go off what we've seen. Ultimately, he didn't do enough then. He may have found some divine intervention and become this incredible player. Perhaps he has. So let's get a buyback clause, let's get some let's get some let's be a smart club, let's get a sell-on clause, let's do something. Let's make sure that he knows that he is he can always return to Arsenal. I don't know what what that is. But let's be a smart club and let's sell him now. When his value can be 40, I think even up to 45 million pounds, I seriously think he's worth that much. If they sell St. Maximan, I think they'd be willing to pay us, and I think they might. I suppose they they value him around 60, 70 million. I think they'd be willing to pay you know 40, 45 million pounds for Joe Willock. I really think he's he's that yeah. he's that important to them.
0: And if you're There's, and it's also if if they're selling St. Maximan, bringing in a fan favourite on a permanent buys them credibility yeah. and favour.
1: There's situations right, so we can look at this. We we could sell Joe Willock for forty million pounds, and that looks like the stupidest deal in the world when he goes on and you know. Smashes the all-time Premier League goal-scoring record. I doubt that's going to happen, but we'd still have forty million pounds in our pocket, right? At least we got money for him, homegrown player, or we keep him. He doesn't quite work out. We sell him for half the price. We go fuck's sake, or any other combination. But the worst, the worst possible outcome if we sell him for that kind of price is we have the money and we can reinvest it. And forty million pounds is a really good deal. I think anything over thirty, thirty-five million, I'd be, I'd be looking at.
0: Yeah anything between 30 and 40 million pounds, 30 million and above you sell, because one thing to consider, and I hope Steve Bruce is not l- listening to this. He's not. Uh, he's played, <laughs> I've got, I know, I know. He's he's made 14 appearances, played 986 minutes, roughly 1.73 shots per game, 0.7 key passes. But the stat that we really need to look at, and, we, and Lingard at West Ham is the perfect example of this. He is somebody that for... Six or seven games ran massively hot on his XG and was outperforming it and then went cold for a little while. Joe Willock's XG from his entire time at um, Newcastle is 4.85 and he's scored seven goals in, uh, is it only seven goals or has he got more?
1: I think he might have eight overall but he scored 7 in 7 games basically. Yeah,
0: he's got eight overall cuz he scored against Southampton and has now got 7 in 7. So he's got eight goals yeah. from 4.5 put 4.85 xG. Yeah. What we don't want to happen is now that the now that the season's over, Joe Willock is at the height of how he looks. He mm-hmm. looks like a sensational unplayable dart into the box midfielder. What we don't want to happen is bring him back and then he starts underperforming his XG. Yeah. We we should sell him while he is overperforming what the stats are telling us he's capable yeah. of doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's like, what's more likely? He's outperforming his XG or he is literally messy. It's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, I think
0: if you, yeah. if we get anything from, I think we don't sell below thirty because you know Rian Brewster. Was sold to Sheffield United for £26 million or something fucking stupid like that and hadn't played in the Premier League. This man has scored eight goals and got seven in seven. Did he even play Newcastle Brewster when they
1: him, got relegated? Sorry to interrupt. Did he even play Brewster like, when they were getting relegated? Yeah,
0: he's made like 20 appearances this season, mate.
1: Has I he think. started though?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: Oh, he did start today. Okay.
0: I thought they weren't starting but, um, him.
1: No, he, met, no, he didn't I, start I think today. That they- he came on in the 79th minute. They played Jebison in front of them.
0: He's played, he's played, he's made 12 starts today.
1: Today? All today?
0: No, all all today, yeah. Fucking Jesus. Well done, mate. Um, yeah, I just think it's time to sell anything 30 million and above. You fucking snap their hand off and tear up the receipt so they can't try and return him.
1: Oh my God, I just realised Sheffield have Wes Fodderingham.
0: Who's Wes Fodderingham?
1: You don't talking about the Czech? No, we're talking about the Wes. Have you seen that video? No. <laughs> it's Paolo De Canio, and he... I'll play it, but he... Um,
0: there is no nothing wrong to change in a goalkeeper, especially if we don't talking about Czech. No? Have you, have we're you, talking about Wes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's talking about Wes foddering him, and it's just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah, hope that answers your question, uh, Twitter man, whose name I can't remember. Um, but Twitter yeah, bro. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's where that's where I sit as well. Maybe he's messy, and maybe we're making a huge mistake. But I feel as though it probably isn't the case. Uh, other bits of news: uh, Steve Bold and Bruno Mazziotti, the uh, physio, have been let go from the club. Steve Bold, thirty years of service. I completely, completely understand people's objections to this. I think it is. Yeah, right. Old Arsenal v. New Arsenal. But I just want to say. We don't know what's going on in the club. We just don't. All we can do is look at output and what happens on a football pitch. And ultimately, if the club believe this is the best thing to do, I can only look at experts. And someone like Georgie Bird on Twitter, who is an Arsenal youth expert, basically says that the under-23 has been massively underperforming. Steve Bold yep. hasn't been inspiring them. They need to play some free-flowing attacking football because they've got some excellent under-18s coming up.
0: And they've just made the decision. And Mazzotti supposedly... Was only here for a year anyway. He was, was only, only here for like, a year. He was only signed on for a year contract. So as much as we don't know the... We don't know the logic behind bringing him in in the first place. The logic could have been we'll bring him in for 12 months to help. I think is it Jordan Reese that's just been promoted?
1: Yeah, but supposedly he's the guy. That's the, that's the reason we've been fairly injury-free this
0: season. Yeah. So but it, it could be that we've gone, we'll bring in this Maziotti guy to help out for a year whilst Jordan Reese finds his feet and then he can be let go. We don't know how long these things have been in the offing. Yeah. There's also kind of reports that have come out that said that one of the reasons mazziotti has been let go is because he um, has like, he's very demanding and you know, his methods are quite rigorous and, and um, taxing and that he hasn't made particularly a lot of friends at Arsenal. Part of me hopes that isn't true because if he's the one getting these players back to fitness, and they just don't like the way it's being done because it's hard work, they can piss off. But all what we have to remember is we we will never know the kind of unadulterated truth of the and
1: situation. And you need a cohesive so, backroom staff. Like you can't if there's exactly. one guy, it doesn't. As long as the results don't change, as long as you know we are getting pairs, players if back to fitness. If we look like
0: idiots in twelve months and all of our players are injured, then then we can have a conversation about it. But yeah, I don't think it was that all, there's enough.
1: This god Bruno Mazziotti, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I just don't think that there's an en- there isn't enough empirical data to say Bruno Maziotti has been the saviour of Arsenal's injury crisis this season. So Yeah.
1: I said this I said this on Twitter earlier. I bet if he was called Brian Mattox and was bold, people wouldn't bother. He's just called oh, Bruno. Oh yeah, he's a
0: very he's a very handsome man. Bruno Mazziotti, and he's
1: very handsome and big. I think people are probably a little bit scared of him. Um Final thing for today, uh, just to say David Luiz's final game wasn't today, but it was the other day and he's uh, now obviously not going to play for Arsenal anymore. Uh, listen, we're not going to sit here and pretend that David Luiz was the perfect uh, player for Arsenal, but he's a great guy. Videos coming out of his um, dressing room talk and stuff, he's clearly really admired. Wish him all the best and I think he'll probably be back in football Absolutely. fairly soon coaching. I um, wouldn't, good luck wouldn't
0: to him. be surprised if he's back in the Premier League. Uh, you know, there was talks of... Um, Tottenham being interested. Um, what can you like? If you if we're summing up his career, sensational. You know, yeah. He, he whilst he really has had a great seen career. The best of David Louise. Well, we haven't seen the best of David Luiz for us Ars- uh, in an Arsenal shirt. David Louise is a stalwart of the game that deserves respect. Uh, whilst I don't think he's been good for us, um, we wouldn't have won an FA Cup without him. You know, he was a big part of our FA Cup success. So I think nothing but thanks from me, even though at times I've screamed on this podcast, I want to behead him or just give him a hairband. Um, (laughs) He is a big part of the reason that we won the FA Cup last season. So I think both of our thanks go out to him for his service almost and um i wish him the best in whatever he goes on to do and that's the same for anyone who leaves this summer you know we'll come on to that but i think a lot of i i hope that more people are like this but i think a lot of football fans sometimes are quite tribal and don't like whilst we've had you know a lot of fans turned against us in the end um And it's a shame that he didn't get the same level of respect shown to him upon his departure and other players as well. But um, I hope that we can show this man some respect uh, for what he did for our club over the last two years.
1: Yep. We've just got time, Brad, for Arsenal trivia. (sighs) Name Arsenal's four ever shirt sponsors, as in front of the shirt, in order if you can. Oh, this? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Oh, fuck, I thought you were talking about the, the makers.
1: No, 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 not the makers, it's in the sponsors.
0: Oh, mate, uh, Fly Emirates,
1: yeah. O2. Yeah, two more. Um, Come on, you got fuck.
0: it. Fly Emirates, O two. 2
1: Think of like those early, think of that oh. gold kit in the 2001-2002 season. No, 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 no that's shirt consider- sponsor.
0: No, 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 okay. Oh, um, sleep sponsor,
1: sorry. I'll give you them JVC
0: that's it fuck JVC and
1: Dreamcast Sega
0: Dreamcast of course yeah
1: think of those kids think Ian Wright mate think Ian Wright your question for next time and next time we'll be doing a proper season review big time season review rating players doing all sorts of stuff chatting through the season and Brad you can finally the squad building can just eek out of you oh (laughs) can squirt out of your boobs um, what is? Oh God, don't do that. Uh, what is the backstory <laughs> to Gunnosaurus? What is the official backstory to Gunnosaurus? I'll give you a clue. It's something to do with Highbury. Uh, it's not really much of a clue. Really? <laughs> uh, there we go. Good pod,
0: Brad. I feel like that one. Yeah. 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 Yeah enjoyed that yeah. one mate nice it was, uh, yes. uh, do you know what it's been a good way to end the season it has it's been a, it's and we've been been a good tough form. old season we've you know we've won five and five this is a great springboard and I'm ironically back feeling positive about next season and so, Willian
1: has, is, has been nowhere to be found for the last few weeks
0: oh fucking sensational. <laughs> a pleasure as always Brad.
1: Thank you so much for listening the everyone and we will see it. you Thanks, guys. on the next one with a nice little look back at the season. Cheers guys, enjoy. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers. Right. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.